Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 this morning. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Father, we approach you humbly this morning as we would attend to these words of Christ, because Christ spoke of few, and we tend to think of many. Oh, we know many people that name the name of Christ. We know many who follow the Lord. We know many. But our Lord said, few. In the bigger, broader picture of Scripture, we're reminded that your people have often existed in earth as a remnant as a small and dinky thing in representation on the earth. And it would appear that that is likewise true today. Though Christendom is known to be a huge thing, the reality of Christ in full embrace of the soul is not popular, no widespread reality in this earth. And so today, humbly, we ask for help as we attend to the words of the Lord Jesus and think about our own souls before Thee in hearing and responding for honor and for glory. Blessed then we pray today in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Two ways, two trees, two houses. That's the rest of Matthew 7. That's the rest of the Messiah's manifesto. Two ways, two trees, two houses dominate the very illustrative end of the Messianic or Messianic manifesto, with the fourth and final sermonic point culminating in the truth of 7.12, chapter 7, verse 12, preached under the topic of the golden rule, King Jesus then sounds the alarm of warning and underscores the necessity of personal decision. When it comes to God, there is no such thing as groupthink. There has to be individual, personal response to the Lord. If quality of life and quantity of life is of interest to you this morning, as it is to me, then 
we will want to pay close attention to what the Lord of life has to say about it in this text. We have been studying the King's Manifesto for well over half a year. The record of the Lord's Sermon began back at chapter 5, continues into chapter 6, and now will end in chapter 7. The whole of the sermon, while preached on a single occasion, as recorded here, nonetheless is repeated in large and in small, as we know by comparing gospel accounts, that the Lord Jesus often returned to the preaching themes and teaching emphases as found throughout the aspect of the sermon uh, uh, regarding all of his public ministry uh, covering approximately three years. It is striking that the warning given here by King Jesus and the press upon the hearers of the Lord in that day to choose their way, that that press, that compelling, is absolutely consistent uh, with a significant emphasis coming out of the Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament Moses, having led the children of Israel to the door of the promised land, said, quote, see, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil. Therefore, choose life. Moses said, Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 19. Likewise, the successor to Moses, the godly commander Joshua, uh, when having completed uh, the major assault in the days of conquest concerning the promised land, said to the congregation, Choose you this day whom ye shall serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. We will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 and verse 15. Furthermore, Jeremiah, God's faithful prophet, uh, was told uh, to uh, speak to the people uh, just before uh, God expelled them from the land of promise. And uh, Jeremiah said, on God's behalf, I have set before you the way of life and death. Jeremiah went on then to compel the people uh, to obey God and choose life. But today we're working with the New Testament uh, reality of the Lord's warning and the Lord's admonition to choose life even consistent with Moses before the land of promise, Joshua in the land of promise, Jeremiah out of the land of promise. This is one of the majestic and consistent themes in all of the scripture, and that is that you and I as individuals would be responsive to God ourselves personally. The truth of God faithfully communicated, required, the faith of God communicated faithfully requires personal response. And today we're working with that extreme contrast 
that was presented by King Jesus in the two ways. One way of which leads to life, and the other way leads to destruction, or as that word is more often translated in the New Testament, perdition. We begin with the one-word command of our text. The one-word command of our text, verse 13, is the first word, enter. It's commanded. It's commanded by our Lord. The command of King Jesus to enter at the straight or narrow gate is the command of the text, is the command that Jesus renders on this occasion of communication. The verb enter is an aorist active imperative. That means that King Jesus commanded that those listening to him uh, should enter once and for all the gate that he named straight, which likewise means narrow. The wording here is precise. Responders to King Jesus are to enter the single and tight opening that leads to life. The word straight here, again otherwise translated narrow, is from the Greek word stenos. I still to this day buy uh, stenographer pads. They are pieces of paper that are cut small so that a person that knows stenography can take quick notes, brief notes, little notes on a little page and then go back to the office and, uh, and fill out the aspect of the whole communication uh, that is to be delivered. Nonetheless, that idea of steno or abbreviated or small uh, comes to light. And Jesus said, uh, you enter the, uh, the, steno the stenographer gate. You enter the straight gate. You enter the little gate. You enter the small gate. That's the idea here. And uh, 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 if you uh, chase that word as to its meaning, it refers in regards to people and their spaces in which they live. It refers to just enough space for a person to pass through. We might liken it to the turnstile at a large stadium or I would liken it to the rock needles in South Dakota. Years ago when hiking in South Dakota and Wyoming, my family followed a marked trail that led up to a bluff upon which you could look down and see a growing herd of bison. That trail passed through several rock needles uh, that were almost impossible for me back in that day uh, to squeeze uh, through. I, I sucked it in, I pulled it forward, I twisted it to the left, I twisted it to the right, and I made it through, barely made it through by sucking it up and pulling it in and twisting it right and twisting it left. But it was by no means easy to get through those rock needles, and by the time I did, I was almost too tired to look. That experience of a tight squeeze through those rock needles depicts accurately the meaning of the word straight. 
here. There is a single straight gate or door, said Jesus, that leads to life. And Jesus commands you and commands that we enter that straight single gate as he identifies it. The Lord's command for you and me is to enter, and surely that means that we can do it. The Lord's command for you and me to enter surely means we must do it. But the command is to enter. To enter. Uh, we all have funny people stories because people are funny. And as my old professor used to say, and we are people. And there's funny things about you and there's funny things about me. But one of the th funny things about my grandfather had to do with entering in the fact that he often didn't. My grandfather uh, was retired back in the days when I was in Bible college in Florida. And my grandfather and my grandmother would come down uh, for a couple of months in the winter, like snowbirds often did back in the day. And uh, when they were down there, they would uh, treat me well. And I enjoyed whenever they were around. And then after Sherry and I were married, they would come down and they treat us well. And I always enjoyed that, to be sure. But my grandfather was kind of a funny guy. He liked to go places, but he didn't like to actually go in. And so he would take us to SeaWorld. And he'd go up to the, the ticket booth, and he'd buy a ticket for my grandma, and a ticket for Sherry, and a ticket for me. And he'd hand us our tickets. And we'd go in. And he'd go back to the car and sleep. And then the next week, he'd take us to uh, uh, some other attraction. And he'd buy the tickets. He'd give one to my grandma and one to Sherry and one to me. And then we'd go in. And then he'd go in the car and sleep. Oh, yeah, one more thing my grandfather would do. As soon as we got out, he'd say, how was it? And you'd tell him. And then he'd take it to eat. And as soon as he sat down, he'd say to the waitress, yep, we just went to SeaWorld. And man, did they ever have a great show with Shamu. And he wasn't there. Now, you can laugh at my grandfather because he'd be laughing at you sometimes, I tell you that. But nonetheless, my grandfather had a reputation for never entering in. Never entering in. Always going to the door where the ticket was purchased, but not entering in. Some of you have thought you bought a ticket for heaven. But I think you've returned to your car. Jesus said, enter in. Entry in alone leads to life eternal. The whole idea of an emphasis of personal response, decision, and action in faith, as required by King Jesus, is terribly missing in modern Christianity. There is no such thing as inherited. Christianity. There's no such thing as Christianity by transfer. Uh, and as we have often said, God has no grandchildren. You must respond to the command of King Jesus to enter in as prescribed yourself. 
And in a different context, Moses said, choose life. Joshua said, choose you this day. Jeremiah said that God had set before the people life and death. Herein King Jesus said, enter in once and for all yourself at the straight gate. And either indeed you do enter in uh, or uh, you uh, have or you haven't. Either you obey or you remain in disobedience to the plain command of King Jesus here, which is to enter. The command, the imperative, is enter. It's an heiress imperative, meaning it's a once-for-all action to enter in. Secondly, King Jesus develops then the picturesque contrast uh, between the Broadway and God's way. We said two ways are represented here, and they certainly are. Uh, Jesus talked about a wide door or a wide gate and a broad way of response that leads to perdition or destruction, as we have it here. Enter ye into the straight gate, said verse 13, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, perdition, hell. And many there be which go in Thereat. This wide way, this broad path is easy. And indeed, King Jesus said, many choose to use this way as if to get to God. But of course it doesn't work because the wide gate and the broad way leads to destruction. Jesus uses that illustration to teach us that when it comes to life, God alone sets the terms. People have all kinds of ideas. People have all kinds of opinions about life now and life hereafter. People promote many different ways to God and to eternal life. There is the go to church way and the don't go to church way. There is the I'm pretty good way and I'm not as bad as others way. There's the religious way 
And there's the irreligious way. There's the Islamic way. And the Buddhist way. There's the Catholic way. And the Protestant way. There are more ways than we can count or keep track of. And all those ways nicely fit to one singular end, namely perdition, hell. But Lord, I was a Baptist. So, the problem is that all these ways lead to death. Dead churchgoers and non-goers, have you noticed? Dead Catholics and dead Protestants. Dead Buddhists and dead Baptists. Dead law-abiding citizens and criminals alike. Dead patients and dead doctors. Dead preachers and people filling the pews. All the many ways of the many end in eternal death. In sharp contrast, verse 14, there is a small and singular gate of the king's command that connects to the way called narrow, but it is the way of those living. This is the life way of the few, said the Lord. This is the life way that is seldom found. So said the Lord Jesus. So because I have a simple mind, I like to break things down and keep it simple. So I have two columns, and in one column I have straight, narrow, few. And in the other column I have wide, broad, and many. And, of course, when the Lord taught it, he taught wide, broad, and many. And then he taught straight, narrow, and few. After first giving the command, enter ye in at the straight gate. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can approach this particular uh, contrast in in the pages of Scripture. But one of the best ways that I ever read about, I'd like to visibly illustrate for you this morning. And I got this from that uh, dead buddy of ours who, uh, though dead, still speaketh on the radio. And his name is J. Vernon McGee. And J. Vernon McGee said that the best way to understand Matthew 7, 13 and 14 is with a funnel in your hand. So here we go. I brought my funnel and you know that uh, usually you uh, use a funnel because it's easier to make the gas hit the bigger hole than it is for the gas to hit the smaller hole. So you pour the gas into the bigger hole, and it funnels it down into the little hole. But we're not talking about the funnel like this. We first want to talk about the funnel like this. Jesus first said in verse uh, uh, 13, after the command, to enter the straight gate, Jesus said that wide is the gate. Wide is the opening. And then he said broad 
is the way, or broad is the way, uh, that leads to a pinpointed destruction. So here's your visuality of verse 13. Wide is the opening, and broad is the way uh, that leads to destruction. That really does make it simpler, and in that way, easier. But then Jesus, at verse 15, flips the funnel around. And in verse 14, Jesus said, Narrow or straight is the opening. And I have to tell you that most people right here this morning have no trouble with that truth. Not most of us have no trouble with that truth of the narrow opening in the gate, the narrow way of the gate. After all, we've been raised around the truth of the Lord Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, you and I would not quibble about the one way unto salvation, the straight gate unto salvation, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? But here's our problem right here. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way. Narrow is the way of living. Narrow is the way in a life that then opens up and produces life eternal and forever. And most of the Baptist people I know, if they have entered here, and many have not, are absolutely struggling with the reality of the narrow way that leads and opens up onto life eternal. But this is the only life that will end that way. And so, thank you, J. Vernon McGee, for reference to a funnel. Because it certainly did help this preacher in grasping the truth. And I trust this morning it's been of help to the congregation. The contrast between two ways are brought forward by the Lord Jesus to underscore the absolute reality of personal response and personal decision. And you can't feel good just because you bought in if you don't enter into the gate that in fact is unto life eternal. That brings us to the third point of emphasis this morning, and that has to do with this compelling contrast as spoken by King Jesus uh, and the characteristics of God's way of living under the sun or uh, uh, on this sinful earth as she is right here and now uh, clearly uh, represented. The way of living on earth for those that have entered 
into the straight gate is tight, lonely, costly. If you are a child of God, for real, you are one, then you understand these words, tight, lonely, costly. Jesus not only said the entry gate was straight, but Jesus said narrow is the way. Narrow is the path. The way of the godly is described by King Jesus by the word narrow, which is a word that otherwise means pressed, compressed, or contracted. Our dead buddy Worsby says that many profess to have placed faith in Christ who never leave the broad road with its appetites and associations. He says of them, they have an easy Christianity that makes no demands on them whatsoever. If you have entered the Lord's straight gate, then according to Jesus, your life is tight lonely and costly in some way. And if you are a part of the thousands and the millions in this world who embrace Christendom, but you know not anything of tight and lonely and costly, well then you should really take stock as to whether you be among the few of which the Lord spoke. Jesus said many are on the Broadway and few are on the narrow way. Convenient Christianity is popular. Convenient Christianity is the popular flavor of the day. And an honest person must at least wonder if that be Christianity at all. Worsby said, and he's now long dead, but Worsby said something that was so contemporary when he wrote it, and he wrote it about 30 years ago. But nonetheless, he said that in that day, 30 years ago, that there was a disconnect in the minds of God's people between salvation and sanctification. John Piper, this past week, in his devotional app, spoke of that. I brought it with me so I could read it. It directly relates. He speaks of his days as a pastor when he went to confront a man in the church, a member of the church, that was engaged in adultery. And Piper wrote, when I confronted the man about the adultery he was living in, 
I tried to understand his situation, and I pled with him to return to his wife. Then I said, you know, Jesus says that if you don't fight this sin with the kind of seriousness that is willing to gouge out one of your own eyes, that you will go to hell and suffer there forever. As a professing Christian, Piper wrote, he looked at me in utter disbelief, as though he had never heard anything like that in his life. And he said, quote, You mean you think a person can lose their salvation? Piper went on to say, So I have learned again and again from firsthand experience that there are many professing Christians who have a view of salvation that disconnects it from real life and that nullifies the threats of the Bible and that puts the sinning person who claims to be a Christian beyond the reach of biblical warning. He concludes by saying, I believe this view of the Christian life is comforting thousands who are on the Broadway that leads to destruction. I would say that a little differently. I think there's an awful lot of people that think they bought a ticket who are in this moment asleep in their car. They have disconnected from the actual response to God in Christ Jesus to enter in and to, then to live a life and anticipate a life and expect the life of a narrow way that will open up and lead to the great eternal life possessed now and forever by faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said the narrow way of life on earth is hard. If you are a child of God on earth these days, you can relate very personally to the words tight, lonely, costly. The path of life after you're in is not easy. Jesus said it, and all true believers in his name confirm it, that life, this side of heaven, is not an easy life. What exactly have you done with the Lord's command to enter in? What exactly do you think about the Lord's assessment that only a few there be that find that way of life. And do you know yourself to be a part of the few? I pray that you would be among the few. 
I would invite you, as did Moses. I would invite you, as did Joshua. I would invite you, as did Jeremiah. I would invite you, as did King Jesus, to choose life for yourself in the Lord. By nature, the fact that the Lord Jesus gave the command, it tells me that you can obey. The Lord's command tells me that you must. And once you've entered in the way in Christ, living on this sinful earth will be for you, oftentimes, difficult. And yet I tell you that your brothers and your sisters and the Lord have gathered today to comfort you in your loneliness. You must bear your own cross in the days of earthly sojourn, yet there are those ready and able to help you bear up under the heavy, heavy burdens of temptation and sin. And so this morning to sinners we say, enter. And to saints we say, endure. Two ways, two prongs to the message. To the sinner, we say on behalf of Christ and his great provision of salvation for us all, enter ye the straight gate. And for those of us that have entered in, having placed faith in Jesus Christ our Lord, well then as saints, we must say one to another, let's endure. Let's prepare to endure to both the sinner and the saint. We would point you to the King, Jesus Christ our Lord, and our opportunity at worship to honor and praise and speak the truth of his glorious name. Father, thank you this morning for a compelling text of Scripture and for the responding heart to the ear of the Word of God as taught and preached. Help us now to be responsive, for we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.